Hey, everybody. With my co-host, Sean Francis, I am Brian Altunian. Welcome to another episode of Just Two Dads. The economy is on everybody's mind as we get ready for Thanksgiving holiday this year. Uh, travel, the cost of making a turkey at home. How do we, how do we handle this, you know, this post-pandemic, pre-recessionary period? Um, and are you taking care of your family? Today, we're going to be talking about some wealth maximization strategies. Some people are just in survival maximization, but uh, we're going to be talking about wealth maximization strategies um, today on our uh, today's episode of Just Two Dads. You think I'd have this all together, Sean, since I've been doing this regularly for two years. Here we go. Another yep. episode of Just Two Dads. Still seems to be a little bit of a delay. Anyways, hey, everybody. I'm Brian Altunian, along with my friend, my business partner, my colleague, my family, Mr. Sean Francis. We are just two dads. We started this podcast a little over two years ago, and uh, it came out of conversations we used to have with folks who service and serve the special needs community as dads of children who have certain uh, learning disabilities or or special needs issues. Some people say medically complex. There's a whole bunch of varia variations of how we term it. Sean's son, Elijah, on the uh, autism spectrum, and my my daughter, Jordan, who was diagnosed with um, microcephaly and other, uh, other, other issues that created learning delays and learning disabilities. Um, we're just two dads, and we were having a conversation several years ago about the work that we do in the financial services industry, and we thought, hey, listen, this is a community that we're a part of. Why don't we start helping folks think about the their personal finances for those families that are in the special needs community? And so we began doing presentations for the special needs communities and then decided we're having such a great time talking to folks and really learning how broad this network is. There's so many people out there servicing the special needs community, and yet a lot of folks don't even know each other. They don't know. And so we thought, let's create a platform to to highlight, showcase those folks doing great things. We usually have guests on our podcast. Today we don't. We're going to chalk it up to the day before Thanksgiving. Um, but today, if you're catching us live on Facebook, please leave us comments. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Thank you, Amity. Give us, give us a thumbs up already this morning. Um, put your comments on. We'll try to get them up on the screen. If you're hearing us on podcast outlets, wherever, we're on almost every podcast outlet, welcome. Uh, send us a message. Our email address is wearejusttwodads at gmail.com. We are just two dads uh, at gmail.com. That's all one word, no dashes, no, no, no periods. And uh, if you're catching us on WSTXAM radio down in the US Virgin Islands, hello, please leave us a message. Let us know how, how, how our messages are resonating. And if there are certain topics that you'd like to hear about, um, have us have, have a discussion or recommend a, uh, a guest. We've got some great guests coming up um, in the next few, you know, over the next few weeks. And so we're excited about this. We're excited to finish out this year with some uh, amazing discussions. Today, we're going to be talking about wealth maximization strategies and how to make sure that our folks in our special needs community have access to cash and capital, capital and uh, make sure that they're finding ways to, to um, maximize the 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 cash flow coming in now and then protect them their families for the future for that time when they pass on and somebody needs to take care of their 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 children with uh, with special needs so we'll get into that today i'm pretty excited about that and um sean this is a conversation we've been having for 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 quite some time but how, how are you mm -hmm. feeling today about about all this 
I'm feeling good. Um, I find, you know, I'm um, generally speaking, I'm, I'm feeling full of gratitude. You know, I, I, you always, you know, you often hear me say that, you know, our biggest nightmares are somebody else's dreams. And, you know, we, uh, today's the day before Thanksgiving and we do not have a full kitchen. We had, um, we had a leak in um, a pipe in one of the bathrooms um, on the top floor of our house. And it came downstairs and got into the kitchen. So the kitchen had to get demoed. We still have our fridge and our, uh, and our, um, and our, and our oven, but there's no sink. So you can't wash anything. So we don't have a full kitchen and we quite frankly, we haven't for quite some time. Um, but we're, we finally got our, you know, um, we're on our way with our contractor and all that kind of stuff, a whole lot of logistics. We had to get out of the way before we could begin, um, the repair, um, and everything. And so, it's now become sort of a fun problem in picking out, you know, colors and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it being Thanksgiving and you don't have kitchen, you know, we're not making food as we, you know, ordinarily do. And when I say we, I may as well be speaking French because my wife will say we, you mean me. <laughs> you know, so, but I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to do the mac and cheese. Um, going to go to my brother's and and, and uh, to use his kitchen to you know take care of that um uh, i'll stop by my mom uh and, and stepdad and you know see them and everything and we're still going to have a meal we've cho chosen a local restaurant that actually you know will prepare a meal and, and i'll gonna go out later today and you know pick it up and so how does that compare to someone that literally has no idea where the next meal is coming from and i've served right. meals to the homeless on thanksgiving um, as you know, gone downtown LA uh, to downtown LA and taking some of the kids with me on Skid Row and giving things out. I remember the first year I did that and I came home and everybody sat down at the tree. I sat there and everyone's opening presents at the tree. I sat there and cried because I was just like, <laughs> opening presents didn't mean the same thing. I had just come from downtown and saw that. So anyway, that's my long-winded way of saying, as usual, that... Um, you know, your biggest nightmares really are somebody else's dreams. You know, the guy, the, the man with um, no shoes complained continuously until he met the man with no feet. So, you know, sure. it, it, yeah. it all carries reference. Listen, I have uh, I have had Thanksgiving where the kitchen was in great shape and had a great meal. And then the one bathroom in my place backed up. Mm -hmm. right at the beginning of the meal. So uh, finding a plumber on, on Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. not fun. So it's uh, the busiest, the busiest day of the year for them. And then, and, and, and I, I'm not going to say names because I don't have permission to do so, but I have a, a you know, a, a friend uh, who's a member of the special needs community and played a great role in me um, having what I thought was the courage to be able to speak to fellow special needs families about um, their finances and improving that situation. Um, this is someone who is a mom to a child with autism and um, um, had a, a family member that had a, uh, a very severe medical um, emergency that took place to the point where um, they're going to have to let this person go. Wow. Um, and this is something that occurred in the last couple of days. So if you've got a family member that you that you love and they're going to be under your roof tomorrow, but you're going to be under theirs. Don't take for granted that because you're in their presence and they know that you love them and they probably do make sure you tell them, especially if it's something that you don't usually do.
tell them anyway. If you generally show them and they know it, tell them anyway. And if there's a family member with whom you're at odds or anything like that, you know, if, if both of you are still in life's picture, tell them anyway. Give people their flowers while they're here to smell them because they won't always be. So yeah. with that said, you know, we I, I got started in our industry uh, about 16 years ago. And I had this epiphany once I saw the manner in which, you know, an opportunity to, to bring to families and business owners financial service and education without charging them for the actual consultation, for the knowledge that you gain, and then having access to almost the entire industry and not being captive. In other words, you don't work at a bank and you have one product or products from one entity. And then to take a holistic approach, looking at the right type, the right amount of life insurance, short-term, long-term savings, estate planning, debt elimination, and the various forms of debt elimination, credit cards, student loans, as well as tax debt, all that. I thought if that stuff is great for families with neurotypical children, it's twice as important for those, those of us that has, have members with uh, special needs. And um, I had to get out of my own way to get comfortable doing that because my thought was if somebody questions my integrity or my intention just once, I don't know if I could survive that. And just as I was getting out of my own way and getting up the courage to start something like this, because Elijah's diagnosis was fairly new at the time, that is when you walked into my life, into our business, and you happened to ask me, hey, have you ever thought about putting something together to serve our community? I said, I'm working on that right now. And that's when our initiative began. And what we've stuck to pretty much is the information and topics that I just talked about right type of life insurance, the right amount, short-term, long-term savings, all those different things. But in our conversation, as we continue to grow and evolve as individuals and our business as well, we've had specific conversations around, well, what are some of the things that would really, really specifically benefit our community? And that's where this conversation about wealth maximization has come from and to the presentations and things that we give in the education and the events, those things are beginning to um, take shift and form. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And where we're going to start with is sort of mindset. Um, you know, if you those of you that are familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages, it speaks to the, the notion of how one communicates and receives love. So in other words, if you grow if you grew up in a home where parents were affectionate with each other and with you and your siblings, your love language is one of affection. If you grew up in a home where your parents were providers and that's the way that they show their love, then your love language is what's known as acts of service. And sometimes you can have people from one of each of those backgrounds meet and they fall in love, they're attracted to each other, they find out that over a period of time, they're saying on a daily basis, I love you. One essentially in French, the other in English, and they miscommunicate. They're not really meeting each other. Well, the same applies to our money personality, so to speak. There was a, um, an article that I saw invest in uh, Investopedia because I got to thinking that the way that we're raised and the experiences that we have around money or lack thereof affect the way that we think about it and our relationships with it. And so I ended up just looking that stuff up and you've got several personality types and um, those are uh, what you call um, big spenders, right? And that kind of speaks for itself. A big spender is someone that 
is someone that is essentially keeping up with the Joneses, looking at high ticket items, um, um, big things. Like as to, those are people that are going to be quite busy on Friday when Black Friday comes, right? Um, then you've got people that are the opposite of spenders, and those are savers. Uh, those are people that look to, uh, that are frugal, and some may even call them cheap, it depends. And then you've got shoppers, and those are people that usually make emotional purchases. Um, mm-hmm. If just like, just like people turn to a challenge um, um, by eating in some cases, people will do that by shopping. I, I know the gratification I get by shopping and buying something that, um, um, that I that I that I like, especially something that I don't always necessarily need. I also know, based on our experience in the business, what it's like to get a great deal on something too. And then there's people that are debtors. Those are not necessarily quite the same as big spenders. Big spenders will buy unnecessarily, but won't always necessarily go into debt because of their purchases. But debtors are people that will usually be deeply in debt as a result of living beyond their means. And then you have investors, and those are people that pretty much know how to put their money to work for them. So we have one thing, the family in which um, we were raised and the environment determines where in that category we fall. And that plays a great role in how we then deal with the diagnosis that a child or loved one may have. Just as the way that we were raised emotionally affects how we respond to that, the way that we were raised and our relationship with money gets affected as well. So the first thing to think about is in terms of mindset, regardless of which one of those you fall under, is to think about um, from a plentiful standpoint, um, a mindset of abundance versus scarcity. Now, and I say this too, knowing that each situation is different, depending on the diagnosis and the level of care that you have to give and how time consuming it is, it may be more difficult for you than it is for others to have an abundance mindset but that's the one that actually will serve you. So with that said, um, let's jump right into um, the wealth maximization mindset. Well, no, 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 let's, let's, you start, no, hold on. You started this. So let's, let's, let's talk about this. I had a, um, I had a, uh, my brother had a friend who was CEO of a major corporation that got acquired by Microsoft many, many years ago and Mm -hmm. uh, had a home in, in Park City, Utah, 8,000 square foot cabin in Park City, Utah, massive guy made a lot of money in the acquisition as CEO paid off, you know, his paid out quite considerably. Um, and uh, we would, you know, my brother had a, had a, had a place in Park City as well. And so we would go and visit with this, you know, with this CEO and he would say, Hey, we should go to such and such place for dinner. Hold on a minute. I think I've got a coupon. <laughs> the guy was worth millions of dollars. And he said, I think I got a coupon. In fact, let's get two of these um, the handouts, these, uh, these, these, you know, newsletters that they used to send out green sheets, whatever they call them, you know, a little community newspaper. He goes, cause then we'll each get one of these coupons and then we'll get a meal, a meal for free. And I remember thinking at the time, like you're worth, you're worth millions of dollars. Like, is that really, how, but that is, that was his, his mindset was not That's how he got there. his mindset was if they're giving it away, take it. Right. If they're giving it, you they're not giving it so that you, you know, think, oh, you're really great as a really great company. They're giving it away so you take advantage of it. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why companies give out coupons and that and that type of thing. But I remember just thinking like that's such a it was a it was a different mindset. My dad, you know, when I grew up, my my dad um had his own business, had his own company. My mom was in was in real estate. And my dad made a lot made a lot of money. Uh, was really smart in how he accessed capital 
through his business and then what he did with it and how he parlayed that into acquisitions of 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 real estate apartment buildings and so he was it would take cash from one source acquire an asset that then you know generated generated cash flow so my dad was really smart in that type of thing but the funny Leverage. thing about it is that yes but uh but that we're still still talking about mindset so hold on don't jump ahead yeah um <laughs> but uh but his mindset was that you you know you can do all those things but you don't act you don't act like somebody with money and i remember thinking like you know again i, I was a young you know early teenager and back in the days we all had you know one phone line coming into the house and you know you had the long long extension cord you guys remember those days when you and then you would like grab the phone and your privacy was like you hopefully would walk around the corner from where the phone was on the wall and I remember mm -hmm. saying to him, hey, can I get, you know, can we get an extension upstairs by the bedroom so that we can have, we can talk to our friends? And he was like, nope, not going to get next, not going to get you a phone line. I'm not going to get you an extension. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, because we're not, we're not rich. We don't, we're not going to act like rich people. I remember thinking like, you, you drive a Rolls Royce. Like, <laughs> what's the, I don't, he's like, it was used. So he goes, don't, like, don't. You know, don't, don't, don't think one means the other. So my dad had a really kind of interesting, you know, relation with relationship with money and it changed our perspective. So I think you're right. Sometimes we do exactly what our parents do, or sometimes we do exactly the opposite of what our parents did. Um, mm -hmm. My dad was, you know, was squirreled away. And, but then again, listen, my dad invested in bonds. You know, my dad didn't really invest in the stock market unless he, unless he knew somebody that was in a company and he wanted to support the company and buy, you know, and buy stock in the company. But my dad bought bonds. For those that don't know, bonds are fairly conservative. Not a lot of volatility in buying bonds out on the market. They're, they kind of go, they operate, they they perform counter to the stock market. Stock market goes up in general. Bond market comes down because stock is equity and ownership and bonds is debt. And so if a company is doing really well and they're selling a lot of equity, they don't need a lot of debt. So the stock goes up, bonds go down. In those times when, when money's tight and the stock market drops, the bond market tends to go up. That's historically how it's happened. And we've had some awesome, weird, I say awesome in the sense of like weird, large, weird occurrences happened in 2008. They thought they would never see the housing market and the stock market fall at the same time. And they both dropped at the same time. We're seeing indications that both the stock market and the bond market have come down in the last year. And so, you know, in general, some of these practices, practices work, but occasionally it's, you have a, an odd situation in the market it's interesting as you're talking about your dad and growing up and everything i just thought of something regardless of the outcome good bad or indifferent wealthy people and not rich mean wealthy because there's a difference between those two yeah rich people have a lot of money wealthy people have a lot of money that works for them right and wealthy people are the only people that give conscious thought usually and traditionally to how they shape and affect their children's relationship with money and people otherwise, you know, from any, every other category, whether it's upper middle class, middle class, whatever the case might be, don't even, I don't think it's even given as a thought. And the truth of the matter is you don't have to be wealthy to have a conscious thought about how you shape your children's relationship with money and the relationship that you've had with it doesn't have to be passed on unless it's something that uh that, that that serves yeah well i i 
in addition to you know my undergrad degree, I went and got my my MBA, right? So as a as a finance person in in corporate America, I looked at you know I looked at a lot of financial statements as a CEO of my own company and you know COO of of other companies. I'm balance sheets and financial statements. Financial statements were how you really look at the the health of a company. And if you think about it. And now we're kind of moving into wealth, into sort of the wealth maximization strategy. If you think about it, if you run your personal life, your home, like, yeah. like a business, um, and, I, and I, just think about it from this perspective, from a financial statement perspective. So there's there are three key um, uh, key financial statements in a business. One is a balance sheet. So your balance sheet is your assets versus your liabilities. Right, so you want to you want your assets to you know to be more than your liabilities. So if the value of your house is higher than the mortgage, you know that's where your equity is because the difference. So your house is worth five hundred thousand dollars and your mortgage is two fifty. The difference is they call it shareholder uh, equity. Right, so so you've got an asset minus a liability. The difference is your equity. So that's really where your net worth is. So you're looking at acquiring assets that out that outpace your liabilities. So that's the balance sheet. And the second one is your P&L statement, your profit and loss statement, P&L, which really is determines like money coming in versus money going out, right? Are you do you have more money coming in than going out? We used to have the saying, is there more money at the end of your month or is there more month at more the end of your money? At the end of your money. Right. Yep. So you want to be looking at profit and loss from that perspective. And the third, the third one, which for a lot of companies becomes a, a very critical financial statement, which is the cash flow statement. So, you know, it's okay if you've got some months where you're where you're in, in sort of a negative cash flow as long as you've got some asset on your balance sheet that you can that you can access the capital to offset uh, a cash flow that's that's negative. So those are the three documents that you know that most businesses that if you want to actually look at the health of a company, those are the three financial statements that you you know that you want to look at most: balance sheet, P and L, cash flow statement. Um, in some cases, if you have a public company, you look at stockholder equity because you kind of see where where shareholders you know stockholders are participating, where the founders are. You know, do you have key and key executives that are really fully vested in the company or are they just doing this for a job and and a, and a stock you know and a stock play uh early investors want to know is a founder fully invested in the company they have a lot of skin in the game or are they looking to you know hit and hit and run um but the but the three main ones that apply to families and and home businesses if you will are those three main ones assets so when it comes to when it comes to our financial lives, one of the things that we want to look at is, are we are we buying assets that add value on the balance sheet, but also can generate cash flow, right? Because that's that's really the thing. If you're buying a, if you're buying a car, some people will spend some, the spenders on your list will go buy a car for the you know for the what they think it 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 provides them you know the look of being being wealthy or whatever but if you think about it from a utility from a utility perspective is the car you know which is an asset that de depreciates in value the minute you drive it off the lot as they say right if that car is necessary for you to get to your business that's going to help you on your on your cash flow then obviously it doesn't really matter if it's a yugo do they still make yugos it doesn't that's matter a if question. it's a <laughs> i don't even know they, you guys remember yugos 
Um, you go. That's the opposite of Nova, right? Nova in Spanish means Nova doesn't go, which was right. Chevrolet's biggest mistake, right? They sell the Chevy Nova, which means Nova doesn't go. Wonder why they had trouble selling that car. But if you you know buying a Yugo versus buying a you know a Cadillac, right? The utility of it is 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 kind of critical. But that's an asset that depreciates, so you're not going to get a lot of. There's no real asset value to buying a vehicle. But if you take your money and you buy a a piece of real estate, a property that can generate revenues like Airbnb or rental properties or you know income properties. That's you know that's a good that's a good use of that's a good use of capital because you're building an asset that asset value and cash flow positive cash flow. So those are why those 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 three um, financial statements are key and critical. And anybody should look at their 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 lives that way. So a lot of times when people are like oh I'm leaving paycheck to paycheck, first thing that we do is is we say well let's let's look at your cash flow. How where is your money coming? So you've got you've got two parents in the house and both of you have jobs. Okay, great. And minus your taxes and your net and everything else, you know, where, what's your, you know, what's your cash flow, uh, your P&L look like? Because that's money coming in and then where are you spending your money? So you can always reduce the amount of money on the expense side by reducing your expenses. And that's one thing to always look at, you know, and when I say reduce expenses, I never want to tell people they should cut into their livelihood, you know, so dramatic, dramatically and drastically that they're not feeling you know, rewarded or alive or, you know, but I, I sat with a, with a client one time and, and she said, I have three um, cable boxes in my apartment. By the way, she had an apartment at the beach. She had a home in the Valley. She lived kind of back and forth. She had three, three uh, um, cable boxes in her apartment. It was costing her like 500 bucks a month. She's like, I'm only there, you know, once or twice a week. And I'm only in one room. <laughs> I don't generally watch TV only in one room. Why am I spending so much money? But that's a good thing to do. Evaluate that P&L. Where are you spending your money? Are you spending your money in things that enhance your life or that actually, you know, are unnecessary expenses? So P&L is money coming in, expenses going out. And is there a difference? And can you improve it without changing your life drastically? Can you reduce your expenses? And is there a way to maximize the income you've got coming in? And so... That's the kind of like the first thing that 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 people should look at. And when I say maximize, in some cases, a lot of folks that I know. So I'm going to make it. I'm going to. I'm going to say this is not financial advice. Talk to your tax advisor. A lot of people I know will reduce the number of dependents that they have that they have taken out of their you know, uh, withholdings in their paychecks. And I always ask them, why do you do that? And they say, because we want to make sure we get a tax refund at you know at the end of the year. And so I said, well, that's cool, you know, if you think about it. So basically, you're letting the government have access to your cash for a year, 15 months, really, if you wait till April 15th to file your taxes, 15 months. And the thing is that the government uses that money. They don't give you interest on that money. So why do you mm -hmm. want to be in a position to lend them money when you're living paycheck to paycheck? And I'm not telling them, everybody, look, maximize your withholdings to 10 per paycheck. That doesn't work either because that's good. Within reason, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but within reason, look at look at where you're putting that money now, you know, the money coming out of your paycheck because you could use a little bit more money out of your paycheck. And if you reasonably, if you have, you know, parents and, you know, two or three kids, you you at the end of the year, when you file your taxes, you want to be as close to, you don't owe them, they don't owe you as much as you possibly can. And that's tax planning, proper tax planning. Yeah, you were saying something. I want to touch on something you were talking about. We had a, um, 
um, a call um, last night, yesterday. We were talking with um, uh, a gentleman in the in, in the mortgage industry, and he was talking about leaving things behind. We were talking about a particular type of mortgage, which is a good conversation for um, um, a good topic for another conversation. We may be able to get into it here too. Yeah, you know, we can yes. get into the basics of it here. But he was talking about the idea of you know, people saying, you know, don't you want to leave something for your children, like leave a house that's paid off? Um, and when he talked about the things that he wanted to leave her, he was saying, well, I, 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 when I leave her, I don't want to live on tuna fish between now and when I pass away in order to leave her something. I don't want to drastically change the quality of my life. And so that's something that's uh, a personal decision for each person too. So when you have a goal and you're like, here's what we're going to do without so that we have this at the end. And this is something that's very, very personal. So each person has to determine what they're going to do. Some people, and it's easy to do this if you're younger, look, what we're going to do is just live on tuna fish sandwiches um, for the next year, two years, or whatever the case might be. Um, so that at the end of that, we'll have X number of dollars. Because like you said, you're either going to cut back on what's going out, or if you find a way to increase what's coming in, whether it's pick up, um, you know, get a, another a part-time job or the yeah. stream of income, yeah. whatever the case might be. But make sure that you're able to make a very conscious, a conscious and well thought out plan as to what you're going to do without. Because the other thing is when you're dealing with a disability um, and care, where you're a caregiver for a child or loved one, there are certain things that you can probably or and probably have to do without and sacrifice in order to be there. But then by the same token, there's certain things that give you like peace of mind that are the equivalent of your escape room, if you will, right? Little little things, whether it's, you know, I, I don't know whether it might be your cup of coffee, you know, whatever. Some of those things give you enough enhancement to the quality of your life that you might not want to let that go. Whereas there's some things that you do want to let go. That's a very personal thing, but just make sure you're giving much thought to that. Because if you if you have a drastic adjustment that you've made and you are disciplined enough to do that and stick with it, more power to you. If you can't though, then what happens is just like when we put plans together for someone, if it doesn't, if it if it is drastic compared to what they've been having at the end of each month, all of a sudden they're doing without. The second a challenge comes up, whether it's an emergency or it just gets too difficult to do, you end up getting off of that plan, just like a cheat day on a diet or something like that. So those are things to think about in terms of balance. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of things that obviously that can be done, you know, to, to look at, let's, let's just, let's just jump into that for one quick second. So I have a, mm -hmm. a client that I was just working with. They have a child that has a, um, that has a, a rare genetic um, condition. And one of the parents is a, is a teacher, athletic director at a high school. With a, with a fairly decent salary. The other one is works in the administratively for the for the school, but can't really do much more than, you know, a certain amount of work because she's home with her with her child on a regular basis. So in that particular case, some people would say, well, so how do they how do they increase their how, how do they increase that side, right? Because now you're just talking about reducing their expenses and they may be cutting it right to the bone. And so a few things that, I, that, that we would generally say, first of all, especially when it comes to retirement and retirement planning, it's worth it to sit down with somebody, with somebody who's got a very nice, a very good broad perspective of finances, because 
where we put our money today traditionally in uh, for retirement are in 401k plans, 403bs if you're a teacher, 457. They're all they're all these are just different codes in the tax code. They're all they all have mm -hmm. the same benefit. 457 is for like police and fire, public servants. Um, some have a pension. If they're not working for a company, they'll do an IRA. But keep in mind, those those plans are in place to really, in a way, it's to reduce your tax exposure today, but you're going to have a tax exposure at the end because all of those plans are tax deferred. You pay a tax at the end. A lot of the times at the end, you know, like when you go and you're retiring, a lot of times your kids are out of the house, your house is, you know, close to paid off. Um, you, the amount of write-offs that you have is fairly limited. So when you go and you take that money out, you're going to be taxed at ordinary income without the benefit of having any tax write-offs to offset it. So you end up paying a lot more in taxes down the road, right? So a lot of people are like, well, I'm just going to max out my 401k, which is in a way it doesn't make a lot of sense. The only time it ever makes sense to max out your 401k plan is when your employer matches or better than matches your in your your investment, but I will press to find very few companies organizations actually match dollar for dollar on the retirement account. So, so rather than put that money away for the rainy day, put enough in to get the company match, and then look at putting that money somewhere else where you can actually have access to it while you're still alive, while you're pre-retirement, have access to it and reduce the amount of taxes. So that's where life insurance comes in. We're not going to get into too much detail on that today, but that's where a life insurance plan does come in. There's other kinds of plans and policies that you can put in that do provide a retirement benefit, but also protection for you. If something happens, if you get sick or if you were to pass away, protection for your family. And in many cases, a permanent life insurance policy gives you access to cash now while you're alive, tax-free to do the things that you want to do. There are a lot of other different kinds of sources. So looking at where you're putting your money. So if you're part of your paycheck is going to your long-term retirement, but your day-to-day -day today is a couple hundred dollars extra a month, that's a challenge, right? That's a challenge for a lot of families because the stress of, you know, of having that small window, that small breathing room is almost too much for a lot of people to handle. So the first thing is look at where you're putting your money for the, you know, for the future. I'm not, not telling you not to put it for the future. You definitely want to have it for the, for the future. 401k plans, uh, and, you know, th these, these, those were created, you know, in the 80s to take the onus off the federal government and put the onus on companies to help provide a plan where the companies can contribute to an individual's retirement in the future. And before that, pensions and Social Security was supposed to take care of people in retirement. The creation of Social Security in the late 30s, early 40s, really uh, was at a time when you worked until you were 65, but your life expectancy was 67. So, you know, you collected on Social Security for two years and then passed away. People are living into their 90s now. There's people, more people taking money out for a longer period of time. And they're, they're, they're getting medical support and everything to live longer, but their social security, you know, is, is shrinking and we're shrinking across the board because mm -hmm. there are so many people accessing it for such a long period of time. So social security is one of those challenges that the government has, by the way, it's considered an entitlement, which it shouldn't be, but it's considered an entitlement if the, in the category of government budgetary issues. If you look at entitlements, military pensions, 
um, social security. There's a lot of these things where we have commitments where the government has made promises to people to pay them in the future that by the way, the government has no money to pay. The government has acknowledged the shortfall in the entitlement payments in the future. They don't have a source for it. You know where the government gets its revenue from? Your taxes. Taxes. So the idea that they're, yeah. So the people who pay the greatest percentage of taxes are those people who have a W-2. So you're going to pay tax. So if you're putting money away in a 401k only to take it out later, guess what's going to happen to the taxes in the future? They're going up which means that the amount that you're gonna take out of that retirement is gonna go down. So you wanna be looking at not just future planning for your retirement, but also, you know, what's the tax implication, what's the tax ramifications down the road versus today, right? So that's the first thing I wanna say. I know you wrote some notes, so because I wanna, cause I wanna yeah. add to that in a second. But, but you, you saw me writing there. This is I did. one thing, one thing, several things I'm acknowledging here. Uh, um, this. We're not going to have enough time to cover everything today, but there's several pieces I'm thinking of. You know, as a special needs parent and the co-creator of our initiative and to help improve the lives from a financial standpoint of a thousand families, building the bridge between special needs families and financial service, education and opportunity. We've talked so much about uh, it's almost become like a mantra, of you know, that I started and we always say, which is, look, it's, it's important for everyone to plan for a time when we exist only in memory. It's twice as important for those of us that are parents or caregivers to those with special needs. But what we've almost kind of not, over, I don't know if we've overlooked it, but we haven't talked about the fact that, you know, not only does that, is it about that time, you know that that time is coming regardless, but you're still hoping and, and hopefully planning to live a long life. And one of the trainings that we've gone through with a mentor of ours is something called living your life on purpose. And it begins with writing your eulogy and then dialing backwards from that, uh, yeah. back engineering from that point to today. And to do that, you have to start to think, hmm, let's see, how long would I like to live? There's, there's certain things that we can't control, right? And we have to let go of them, but we have to grab onto all the things that we can control. And how often do we hear about people that are on a deathbed and on the deathbed, you know, a loved one is coming to visit them and they hold on, hold on. The loved one shows up to see them, to say goodbye. And then they pass away. That doesn't mean that we get to choose when we depart, but our attitude and energy has a lot to do with that. So in other words, we should be planning to live longer. So just like we're planning for um, the time when we exist only in memory, we should be planning for the long life. Because as you said, people are living longer. And what that made me think of is when we talked about the life insurance option, you know, and I didn't even know this. A lot of the life insurance products that we have access to have long-term care riders. And I do know yeah. that one of the reasons why somebody would consider that, well, I have personally, is that the cost of that long-term care, access to funds in case you're unable to perform certain acts of daily living, clothing yourself, bathing yourself, feeding yourself, things of that sort, by injury or illness, it costs less than it does to get it on a standalone long-term care policy. That I knew, but I didn't, I, I don't, I didn't even realize until this past week how much, how highly competitive those riders are, even more so than I realized with a standalone policy. So that's one thing. The other thing I thought of as you were talking about is um, you have to make sure, you know, for our fellow special needs families, those that are receiving benefits, social security, things of that sort, 
when you put these plans in place, even the most basic ones, and life insurance applies there too, we need to make sure that whoever's putting the plan together, and this isn't to, you know, a, a plug for us, we happen to be, you know, pretty good at doing that, but make sure that somebody <laughs> you know and trust that can put right. the plan together without affecting the benefits. Because the way the benefits are set up, it's almost like, and this could be controversial um, if I say this. Um, I, I don't think we care, really. <laughs> okay, be controversial. All right. I mean, seriously. Especially, especially if it's effective. Okay. And this is gonna either going to seem like meandering or else I'm going to seem like somebody that's right on target. But coming out of slavery, one of the challenges that faced those that came out of slavery was, you know, having an abundance mindset because you're supposed to give these people that have come out of great limitation and quite frankly, evil, right? Supposed to give them these things that give them prosperity, right? But you've become dependent. And when you all of a sudden have that, which is provided for you to a certain extent, you come out, you're like, for some people, that's a difficult thing to do. Now, while it's not slavery in the traditional sense, when you're receiving benefits because of a disability, again, going back to the relationship with money and the mindset, you're really being put between a rock and a rock. Because on one hand, you're like, okay, I have these benefits that I'm receiving because of my loved one's disability. You're literally taught and conditioned that if you make too much money, if you dare to prosper, those benefits are going to be taken away. Now, if you make, if you get to a path where you're making enough, you're like, Psh, Take it away. I don't want to be dependent on the government anyway. I'm good. But between the dependency and the independence, those dollars are quite frankly still needed. So there's a challenge there that takes, you know, that, that takes place. Um, so hopefully that doesn't offend anybody. And there's a correlation there that can be. I seen. don't think I don't think there's anything offensive in, in anything that you said. I think that we see this a lot, you know, uh, and, and, and it's and it's it's always the look during the pandemic. There were a lot of things that you know, that were forced upon people, uh, stay at home, shut down their businesses, change their businesses, um, you know, put your kids, have your kids learn from, you know, learn at home, like, especially for our children who had special needs issues, doing a year and a half of education over Zoom, mm -hmm. for many people is a freaking nightmare. Um, so in that particular case, the fact that if the government gives reparations, if you will, for that particular case, uh, for any right. case, really, like mm -hmm. something like, oh, I, I'm not taking that. I don't want to profit on the pandemic. Like, BS, man. The pro, like the government gave the government mandated you do certain things. So if they're giving you some benefit because of the acknowledgement of that of, of that limitation, you absolutely should take advantage of it. We talk about this in businesses all the time. If you're a business mm -hmm. owner and you've got and you had to change your business during the pandemic in 2020 and 2021, anything, anything. We have one. We have a, we had a guest on our show. Um, <laughs> shoes, I'm going to call him out now. Um, uh, Brett Lieberman from Yik Unity. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can, which is a school that takes our young adults with special needs and trains them on how to do things, how to take advantage of their, their strengths and, and train them on how to do things in the entertainment industry, music, film, TV, you know, and, and video and, and all that stuff, which is amazing. Well, they had to go from in-person instruction to tele, to telecommunication, to tele-instruction. That absolutely changed their their situation. The government gives is giving back now these things called employee retention credits that mm -hmm. every company that had an impact that had to change their business, something as simple as, hey, we just went telehealth. Well, that was a change in your business because of mandates. You couldn't be live instructions. And now they're giving back some of the taxes that you paid to retain those employees during that period of time. 
that is a there there's a there's a specific wealth maximization strategy if you're a special needs family and you have, you're an owner of a business and you do not know anything about the erc or the the um, employee retention tax credit you should reach out to us we can give you you know specific you know company that we work with that helps families uh, helps business owners recover that but to your point sean if you if there's a if there's a situation that you're dealing with and you and the government's giving you some sort of benefit Take it now. Don't take it at the expense of doing something for yourself. In my opinion, special needs families we're we're dealing with a lot of challenges. We're you know sometimes we're exhausted <laughs> managing our you know our kiddos at home and and the life and family matters and the idea of starting your own business is like I don't even have time. But the reality right. is there's a lot of stuff that you can do because now we're talking about your P and L again. We're talking about increasing your cash flow. There's a lot of stuff that you can do um referral based businesses there's a lot of referral kinds of businesses that you can do you know you know again in some cases you have to be licensed to receive a referral fee in other cases you don't so looking at a referral based business is one looking at affiliate affiliate business you know where where you're promoting a product online and it's fulfilled by amazon and that's a business that can be done there are there are there are a lot of things that can be done in the window of time that you have to do what you what you can to do things online, shoot, these are social media influencers who basically just film themselves, especially, you know, some kids who have, some of the folks who have special needs kids, they talk about the challenges and what they come up against. There are companies that want to address this particular, um, this particular community and social media influencers generate a lot of income just by, by documenting their lives. Um, you'd be amazed at the kind of money that's being generated online as as companies are looking into the Web3 space and how they can actually provide a, you know, a, uh, an ecosystem. You were going to say something. Yeah, just two things. One, I just I know I always say it, but I really think this is the fastest hour that's ever gone by, especially when it's just you and I and not a guest. It's I know, just, for sure. So I wanted to touch on two things. The first thing I wanted to touch on was if you can let everybody know when the government looks at inflation. Right. And I believe it's inflation. Um, they um, they take into consideration things like um, road, uh, you know, re repair for roads and all of that kind of stuff. But what they do not do not include is um, gasoline and food. And there's am I leaving anything out? I think it's just those two. At the those are the main list. those are the, those are those are the main things that they leave out, which is which we're all seeing going to grocery store for Thanksgiving. That's a massive increases, 20, 25 percent increases in pricing. Right. As, as and well. so so least. inflation is 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 has historically been, you know, three, four percent, that kind of thing. As a result of the yeah. pandemic, it's up, it's up nine percent, and they're still not including gasoline for your cars and food, right? And so what that means is if your money is someplace where it's not getting a rate of return that is ahead of inflation, you essentially have a hole in the pocket. The other thing I wanted to do because we're wrapping up is if we can go down bullet points um, and you just touch on each of the things as, as we get ready to wind up of the maximization steps, um, you know, it, it, some of it being recap and then any that we've missed. Yeah, I, I would just say, listen, again, if the first thing to do is is to look at your at your home budget as like a business again those are those there's three those three key financial uh there's three key statements that make up your financial statements your 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 financial health your balance sheet which is your assets minus your liabilities your profit and loss statement your p and l as they call it p and l uh, profit and loss which is your cash flow coming in minus your expenses going out 
And then the third is just a general cash flow statement month to month, right? And so um, if you're if you've cut your expenses to the point where you're like, okay, we've we're we're really running everything pretty tight, we've been really smart about where we spend our money, then you need to look at how can I increase my cash flow, my income. And so one of it is look at your, you know, look at your, you know, again, withholdings could be one thing. Look at how much you're putting towards your retirement. Can that money be put somewhere else where you still have access to it? Because there's a lot of things that it's access to capital is a really big thing, access to cash. A lot of people, you know what they do to access cash, right? They get credit cards and they get credit cards. And if their credit's not great, they're paying 18, 20, 24, 28% interest which is all just profit center for the banks. So they're kind of hoping, the banks are kind of hoping that you don't have enough cash flow that you use the credit cards because they're, you're going to owe the banks. So we want to re, reduce the debt that we owe. We don't want to service debt on bad. There's good debt, by the way, but there's bad debt. Credit card debt for things like your living expenses, that's bad debt, right? So ways to increase your cash flow includes look at another revenue stream. The thing about wealthy people, Wealthy people have owned businesses, first of all, and they have multiple streams of revenue. You want to have multiple streams of revenue. If you watch any, any advisor in the tax space or the, the money space, they're going to tell you, you got to have a minimum five, some say a minimum of eight different revenue streams. Now, while that may seem hard to do, right, there's a lot of stuff that people do. In some cases, their revenue streaming is, is something they exchange in barter. Like, I'll watch your kids if you'll work on my car. <laughs> So let's exchange you. You're the mechanic. I've got, I'm, I'm home with kids anyways. I'll watch your children. You fix my car. Barter, that's that's okay. That's a that's a way of of increasing your or or you know having a positive impact on your on your PL money you don't have to pay out of pocket. So those are the kind of things you want to look at. And and starting a business is really a, a very important thing to think about. And while that may be difficult to think because you're thinking about it like I have a shortage of time, I promise you, you can put a business concept in in mind by the way some people write books our close friend Susanna you know Susanna Peace Lavelle is writing a book because she's a consultant for special needs families she's writing a book because her the value that she can add as a mom of a child with you know on the autism spectrum but also as a consultant and as a as a as a coach she has a lot of value to add that 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 investment of time to write a book is one of those things that that's something that could just that can provide you residual income Right. And there's the a thought, right? Is, there's a, no, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. But, but, in, and I'll just give you an example. For Sean and I, as we've been doing this for two and a half years, we've, you know, we, we've partnered with Billy Footwear, which is, you know, a company that provides adaptive footwear for a massive market. And, you know, we've got an affiliate relationship with, with Billy. So if, if you click on our link to look at Billy Footwear, you're going to get 10% off on the sales that you, that you, that you, purchases that you make on his website. And by the way, because we're talking about Billy Footwear and Billy Price and the amazing stuff that they do, we get a 5% 5% income stream and 5% cut of, of all of those sales. Sean's going to put the link on our on our chat. Um, but that's an example. We are just talking about it in a day of, you know, part of our part of what we do here on our podcast. And there's an opportunity for us to make money passively. So the great thing about a business, in case, you know, sometimes it takes a lot of work up front, but then it becomes a passive revenue stream. And that's something to look forward to. Passive and residual revenues can add to your P&L. Now, in some cases, you're, if you're writing a book in that example, 
you're also creating an asset because that asset's going to have some value. So these are the kinds of things that you can add to your, just your personal activity. And while that may seem overwhelming, maybe there's some, some work to do in the beginning because it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel like a little uh, out of your comfort zone initially. But when you start to see the difference, the impact that that's going to make on your cash flow, your personal cash flow, it's going to, it's going to change your perspective, right? The, so those, that was kind of the main thing I wanted. We want to know where we're running out of time because we talk a lot. Um, was it, did I answer your question there? Yeah, yeah, no, you did, you did. Um, Let me, can I say, can I say one thing? Can I just say one no, thing? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, go right ahead, go ahead. So sorry, mm -hmm. <laughs> everybody knows Brian always has one more thing. Wait, just one more thing is like 85 things. But one more thing, <laughs> when it comes to the, to the use, to the use of debt, now personal debt is, is, is tough. People have, you have to manage your personal debt. Um, but if you start a business and you have a business and you, you can look at actually getting getting credit lines for your business, your business, you, you can use that debt. That's a really good use of debt for you to then acquire an asset or develop an asset in the case of writing a book that then is going to pay you. First of all, it's going to add to your balance sheet, right? Because it's an asset that's worth something, but it's going to generate cash flow for you. So if you can take debt and acquire an asset or build an asset that generates revenue, that is what good debt, that's what debt is to be used for. Successful business owners use a lot of credit. They use credit in a way to acquire assets. What are you doing? You're using other people's money. You're using the bank's money. Because if you think about this, if you pay 24% on your credit card, right, you're, you're paying the bank a ton of money. If you put your money in a savings account, what do you think the bank does with it? They lend it to people who can pay it back. So they're mm -hmm. taking your money and they lend it out, right? So their goal, the bank, the business that the banks are in is flow of cash. The more depositors they have, the more money that they can lend out. That They're in the money transfer business. That's where they make the money. But if you save your money in the bank, they're only going to pay you 0.03%, but they're going to charge six to seven percent on a mortgage 24 percent on a credit card eight percent on a car maybe four percent to a business like whatever it is they're making money on your money by the way there's a thing called fractional lending and then i'll, I'll stop talking after this every dollar that you deposit the bank makes them gives them the ability to lend ten dollars out they can lend ten dollars out for every dollar that you deposit so not only are they paying you a fraction of what you should be getting but they're making 10 times that money on lending that money out. So if they're lending the money out, start a business, get a credit line that you can then take, borrow the money, buy an asset that generates passive and residual income, services the debt and brings more cash to your P&L. That's just mm -hmm. a simple way to build some wealth. There's more to the wealth maximization strategies. We'll add more to it. We'll do a part two in one of those weeks if we don't have a guest. Um, so we can continue this this conversation. But yeah, we're going to do some um, examples there. We're, we're going to do a live, um, you know, most likely on, on Instagram uh, to cover some of this, because, again, it's just, it's just not enough time. But to wrap things up, the very first thing is the mindset. The quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves. So in closing, we always talk about questions being more powerful than statements, being more childlike and less childish. Children always ask questions questions are more powerful than statements because they actually lead to the answer. So the first question you ask is, you know, you can ask, oh my gosh, why me? Or you can ask, 
how do I, what if I, won't it be great when, wouldn't it be great if, that alone can lead you to how can I start thinking about, you know, how could I, what could I do to increase my income stream? What, you know, what, what might I do? There'll be answers there that, that will surprise you. Like when Brian gave the example of, um, you know, babysitting someone's child who, you know, works on cars and whatever have you, just, just a, a bartering type of mentality, whatever the case might be. So the first thing is just your mindset and your thinking. The next thing is then your home budget, looking at your home as a business, and then your balance sheet. What do you have coming in? What do you have going up? Your profit and loss, right? And then general monthly cash flow. And that's where you start thinking of, hmm, how do I get outside of this? Be solution oriented more so than anything else. And again, the link is in uh, on the screen um, for Billy Footwear. Again, Billy is a gentleman that um, two weeks into his freshman year in college, fell out of a window and broke his neck, was paralyzed from the chest down, found a way to become independent and do virtually everything for himself with the exception of putting shoes on. That need uh, from that came a prototype uh, for shoes where he's able to then put his shoes on by himself because it comes with a zipper as opposed to just functional laces. It went from that to a company that is now known as Billy Footwear this past year between his first appearance on our show and his second, which was a week, uh, I believe a week ago, two weeks ago, uh, they have sold their one millionth shoe. If you click on that link that is on your screen, you will get a 10% discount on any of the shoes um, that they that they have on sale in the purpose. And they're not just functional, uh, they're cool looking as well. And we By the way, one ahead. millionth pair. One millionth pair, just to be clear. It's not just a shoe. It's one million pair of shoes. Yeah, I said, did um, I say one million shoe? One million shoe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One million pair. They don't pair. sell single shoes. They sell pairs, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. one million yeah. pair. And here's the thing. He's an example, again, of somebody that is, you know, more than likely face a mountain that you, is a good chance most of you are not looking at, but asked these questions and came about with an answer. Quite frankly, what he's done is not only inspired me, but, you know, made me realize that, again, my biggest, uh, um, are we, like we always say our biggest nightmares are somebody else's dreams. And so with that said, he, he was faced with the question of, he started out with the question of why me? His answer was, why not me? And I think that's powerful too. Why not you? Why not mm -hmm. you? Yes. Yeah. No one, one, yes. One million pairs, two million shoes, Mark. Yes. Thank you for commenting yes. on that. Be sure to go back and take a preview. Be sure to go back and take a look at the episode with him. The episode's um, amazing. He's fantastic. an amazing, an amazing yes. guy. Yeah. yeah. So, ahead, Brian. Um, all right. So as we wrap up the show, you know, empathy and love as always, especially now during this time of thanks and Thanksgiving, be thankful for what you have. Know that your situation is you know, is unique to you. And that means that everybody has that situation. So rather than be judgmental, you know, have a little empathy for the folks who don't know what they're going through or what they've been through or what they're dealing with. I had a friend yesterday who told me that he had a sinus infection, a sinus problem for the last two years, finally got it checked out. He's in his early fifties and he has a growth and now it has to be looked at for potential cancer from a sinus, what he thought was a sinus infection. You never know what somebody's going through, guys. You never know what they're dealing with. You never know what they're have they're having to ha handle at the moment. So be empathetic, and look at, at the world through lenses of love. It always will make the world a better place. With that, Sean, we throw it over to you. Hopefully, we add some value to people today. Yeah, um, I, I want to thank uh, everyone that took the time to tune in whether you're doing it after the fact or you did so live. And I'm really thankful for the platform and the opportunity and our conversation today because um, we're reshaping the initiative that we have to build a bridge between the special needs community and financial service, education and opportunity. And a big part of that is the wealth maximization strategies. Any 
uh, event that you've attended before where we've shared some information and concepts. This is going to be a little different. Um, and we're really looking forward to it. So stay tuned for that information. Uh, I want to thank the women in my life without whom I would not be. That is my mom, Jan, and my amazing wife, Laura. I want to thank my my kids, family, and friends. Thank you, Brian. I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. There's always something to look uh, to be thankful for. Remember, everybody needs to be seen, needs to be heard, needs to know that they matter and that they're loved. And wherever you may be, thank you so much, and we love you. Thank you, Sean Hall. We love you, man. Thanks, everybody, for Thank tuning you. in. Thanks, Sean. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody.